Um, my name's Stuart, and I represent the, uh, one of the Vaughan Valley uh, life groups. Uh, this morning's reading is from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 to 9. 2 Corinthians 8, verses 1 to 9. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favour of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you in this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you for that reading, Stuart. Good morning, church. It's December, it's Christmas time. Uh, we are all jolly. It is the season to rejoice. Good morning, church. That's better. <laughs> it is great to uh, have you join us this morning. If you're joining us for the very first time, uh, my name is David. I'm one of the ministers here at uh, Christchurch Midrand, uh, and it is a joy for me to be opening up God's word. Uh, now, two years ago, a pastor tweeted this. Um, he said about Christmas, O come, all ye faithless, joyless and defeated. O come, O come to Bethlehem. Christmas is for the weary, for the messed up, and for the broken. If your life is not Instagrammable, Christmas is for you. Uh, and so as we come here this morning, uh, many of us come heavy laden and weary as we come into this uh, through those doors. I do pray that uh, something uh, of God's word would uh, encourage you. Uh, if you are a Christian, uh, I pray that it would uh, deepen your relationship with God and your service um, towards, um, towards him. Uh, so that's my prayer for us uh, this morning. Just to say that um, our preacher for this morning uh, could not be with us this morning uh, due to uh, testing positive for COVID. Uh, they are doing well, uh, but we are doing all that we can to uh, just make sure everyone is safe. Uh, so just uh, be assured that we adhere to protocol and our preacher is doing well. And so I had to step in in the last minute. I did have coffee, so uh, it is joyous. Uh, I'm ready to, uh, to preach um, and with the help of God's spirit as well. Uh, I'm going to um, ask us to bow our heads uh, as I lead us in a time of prayer. And I want to use um, the words of uh, one of these modern hymns. Uh, I love it so much, uh, and we used to sing it um, at a church in Cape Town, if I can just get it. It says, speak, O Lord. Uh, and so if you, 
can please just give me a moment as I click on it. Uh, this um, uh, words of a hymn, please bow your heads. I'm going to use them as a prayer. Speak, O Lord, as we come to you to receive the food of your holy word. Take your truth planted deep in us. Shape and fashion us in your likeness that the light of Christ might be seen today in our acts of love and our deeds of faith. Speak, O Lord, and fulfill in us all your purposes for your glory. Teach us, Lord, full obedience, holy reverence, true humility. Test our thoughts and our attitude in the radiance of your purity. Cause our faith to rise, cause our eyes to see your majestic love and authority. Words of power that can never fail. Let their truth prevail over unbelief. Thank you, Lord, for yet another opportunity, another Sunday uh, to uh, listen to your word being uh, preached. I pray that you uh, empower the preaching of uh, the word, that it will heal uh, those um, that are broken, uh, that it would give hope, but that most of all it will challenge us to walk out and to live for you wherever you've placed us. Uh, so please um, increase our faith uh, to live out your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, in God's providence, uh, two weeks ago, we looked at um, a title uh, of a message um, titled, The Difference That Jesus Makes. It was at our Christmas uh, service, so if you do remember that, uh, we looked at Philippians uh, chapter 2 and the importance uh, that uh, Christmas brings. The incarnation, uh, which is this uh, a fancy word of, uh, that simply means the coming of God uh, him taking on human flesh. The incarnation of Jesus we saw from Philippians chapter 2 changes everything in our lives. Uh, from Philippians 2 we saw that God became human to make us better humans, if you remember that. Uh, that he took on a life of humility by coming from glory, ascending into the world, and God exalted uh, him so that the Christian life would take the very same shape. Uh, and so we continue looking at a different passage that also reflects on the coming of Jesus, the incarnation of Jesus, uh, and it applies it. What I like about these two passages is that they have practical ways uh, that a Christian can embrace uh, the, the coming of Jesus. Uh, so if you think about uh, the Christmas period, this Advent period, um, we reflecting on the coming of Jesus. If you're new to church, uh, the word Advent is simply an English word uh, that means the coming of something or somebody momentous, so some, somebody notable. There. Uh, and, and so at Christmas period, uh, this December period, uh, churches throughout for about 1,600 years have been celebrating and commemorating the Advent series as we reflect on who King Jesus is and his arrival. And so this morning, we want to look at, again, uh, the difference that Jesus brings uh, to our lives, the, Jesus, the difference uh, that Jesus brings. Does he actually make any difference? Or is Christmas, uh, as we saw, choice assorted biscuit? Is it what it's about? Um, is it just for you all about unwrapping presents uh, and having uh, fun uh, uh, and not going to work? Or is it for many of us, maybe you come from Middleback or, or, or Hamanskral. Is it about um, going down to Deben, washing our sins at the ocean, 
and then bottling them in a two-liter container uh, to bring them back to, uh, with you uh, up here. Is that what Christmas is about? Does Jesus, the coming of Jesus, make any difference to your life? Now, you guys are far off. I'm not feeling uh, your love. So help me out here. We're going to ask this question together. Does Jesus make any difference to my life? And we're going to ask it with an unsure tone. Does Jesus make any difference to my life? So let's say it together. Does Jesus make any difference to my life? Now think about that. Think about your life right now or in the past year. How, how would you describe your life? Hasn't it been challenging? This year has been challenging. We've had on and off lockdowns. Uh, we've had on and off electricity. Um, it, it has just been a challenge. The economy, I'm not an economist, but they say it's, it's bad. Things are pressurizing us. Uh, many of us struggle with anxiety, uh, depression. Some of us in this congregation have spoken to some people who are just not sure if they'll have a job next year. Um, so it is tough. And if we were to use one way to describe our lives, it would be pressure. Or as we said in Rustenberg, pressure. Uh, pressure, pressure, pressure. And the thing about pressure is this. When you pressurize something, let's take a bottle of water, for instance, what, what happens to it? Well, if you pressurize it, all that's inside comes out. And very often what's inside, what comes out of us in moments of pressure are some of the ugliest things that are hidden in us. Uh, what comes out when we pressurize very often is not what Jesus calls us to. So if you think about our topic, we're going to be reflecting on money uh, today. If you think about money and possessions, in times of a pandemic, in times where we face with pressure, financial difficulties, when we're under pressure, what happens? Or some of the greed uh, uh, that's within us comes out. Let me explain what I mean. Um, do you remember March 20th, 2020? Just before lockdown, it was a Wednesday, I think. I went to Centurion Mall. Uh, and as I went in, uh, trying to grab uh, food uh, to preserve myself and my family to go hibernate, guess what? There was nothing on the shelves. Uh, all the meat was taken, all the toilet paper. Do you remember a time when toilet paper was a, a rare commodity? Everyone hoarded. And here's the thing. Those who have much held on to much. Uh, if you have money, if you are fa fast enough to get to the shops, you just take stuff for yourself. Who remembers uh, recently uh, when we had the protest? What happens when the pressure mounts up, when we realize that we might run out of food? We rush to the stores and we hoard. Um, now, here's the thing. Um, that doesn't build societies, does it? Uh, because many of us didn't need uh, all of that uh, stuff. But we held on to it because pressure mounted. We panic, panic bought, uh, and it was all about us, us, us. And so what we're going to learn this morning is to think about the incarnation of Jesus and bring it here in 2021 under level one lockdown um, in Midrand, and to think about the difference that Jesus brings to our pressured lives. Uh, so we're under pressure, but Jesus calls us to a different way of life. We saw in Philippians chapter 2, 
that the coming of Jesus changes our posture in life. Uh, it changes our posture towards other people. We treat them with humility because God humbled himself. What we're going to see today is that the coming of Jesus changes our pocket. Um, as we reflect on what God has done, it ought to change the way we uh, behave uh, particularly to, uh, towards others. Now, let me just say from the word go, I'm not trying to get you to give more to the church. Uh, we are going to talk about general generosity, so not particularly talking about uh, giving to, um, to church. Uh, so our key, pass, our key verse is uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I hope you still have your Bibles open. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. That's the key passage. That's where Paul explains to these Christians the ethic uh, of Christianity. The Christian ethic uh, is normally reflecting the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's normally, as we said with Philippians chapter 2, who God is, it's normally based on that. What God has done, based on what God has done, changes who we are, Christian ethic, and changes what we do, how we live our lives. Uh, who God is, what God has done, changes who we are and what we do. And that's what we're going to see in this section as Paul addresses um, a church that's grappling with applying the gospel message to their lives. Have a look at uh, chapter 8, verse 9. This is what Paul says um, to these Christians. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Let me read that again. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might be made rich. Now, let me just admit it. I used to love this verse uh, for all the wrong reasons. Um, as a 16-year-old Christian uh, who was struggling financially, this was music to my ears, uh, that Jesus became poor so that I can become rich. Amen. Yo, um, I, I went to a church in a township called Tabani, uh, and this, there used to be a section uh, in black church that's called uh, Prosperity Time. Prosperity Time was a time when uh, the service leader comes up and he presents or she presents a mini sermon on giving. So what Black did here this morning by saying snap, scan, and all of that, that's nothing. Like, it was all out. 20 minutes of God is going to bless you, and God is going to enrich you. And I think this was music to my ears, because at that particular time, man, things were tough. Um, let me just, I don't like talking about myself, but I want you to incarnate the word. I want you to understand that sometimes pressure makes us gravitate towards certain theologies and certain understandings of who God is. My, my own situation uh, is that I grew up with a, a mom, a single mother, who was trying to work her way through a nursing school. So I still remember metric. Uh, I didn't even go to my metric dance because I didn't want to pressurize her to buy me clothes. Times were tough. School fees was a thousand rand. Right? Thousand rand, many of us spend that at a restaurant without flinching. But it was hard to come, uh, come across a thousand rand. Come time to pay school fees, it was just 
like it's not there. We have to ask uncle so-and-so to chip in uh, to help out. Do you know how, how to stretch a five rand coin? 250 for transport uh, to come to school. You have a choice between you caught a taxi in the morning, break time you have that 250. Either you use it for food or you, uh, and you walk home or you just hold on to it and chill with the other kids who don't have food. The worst one was CV's day, as this private school kids call it. Um, you call it casual day. Uh, that's the day where you bring out your best. And if you don't have your best, like I didn't have my best, one or two Fridays, that's fine. You can bring out all that you have. After that, you act cool and tough. And what do you do? You wear your uniform, and you say, I'm a rebel to the system. I'm going to bring down the system. <laughs> Meanwhile, you know that you, like, you don't have anything uh, but you put up a face of strength. So when you read this verse, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. This is good news. That's what I wanted to, uh, to hear at that stage. But what is Paul actually saying? What does it mean that Jesus was rich? What does it mean he became poor? What does it mean that you and I, through his poverty, were made rich? Well, it has nothing to do with what I thought. Uh, it has everything to do with the grace of God that he lavished on us. You see, just like Philippians chapter 2, Jesus was rich. Uh, he was in glory with the Father, eternally existing with the Father. Yet he took on human flesh. He took on a life of a servant. Uh, he took on poverty. He let go of his privilege uh, to take on human flesh. And not only that, we remember from Philippians chapter 2, he died. And not only did he die, he died a death on the cross. Why? So that you and I can have a relationship with God. So that you and I can be exalted um, to a place where we can have a relationship uh, with God. That is what Paul is on about. Paul is talking about the grace and the generosity of God. And very often in Paul's letters, you see that the gospel, uh, Paul normally brings to the Christians the gospel. He reminds them of certain truths, and then he calls them to apply it to their lives. Um, and very often, uh, he talks to them about the cross-shaped life, the cross-shaped life, a life where you look at Jesus and what he has done for you, where you recognize that for you to have a relationship with God is because God emptied his pockets uh, so that you can be rich. Uh, Jesus emptied his pockets so that you uh, can be uh, rich. Uh, so the summary of our sermon this morning is that God emptied his pockets so as to empower us to empty our pockets. God emptied himself so as to empower us to empty ourselves, to pour our lives to others. That is the Christian ethic. That is the way of the cross. Uh, that is the way of humility. And very often, when we don't live in that place, where we don't live lives of generosity, where we don't live lives of humility, is because somewhere, somehow, we haven't begun to understand the message of the cross. We haven't begun to understand the Christian story that God came, as we remember this Christmas, 
He came into our world so that you and I can have a relationship with God. Very often the Corinthians did not understand the message about Jesus Christ. One commentator says this about the Corinthians. He says that each of the community problems Paul needed to address grew out of the Corinthians' inability to let the gospel message fully reshape their gentle Greco-Roman lives, whether because they misunderstood the message or because they rejected it outright. So either these guys didn't understand fully the message of the gospel or they rejected it. And that's why Paul very often wants to remind them of the gospel. That's why in Corinthians he goes on and on and on about the wisdom of the cross. Because there were factions in the church. Some saying I follow this guy. Some say I follow this guy. I follow Rafa. I follow David. And Paul is like, what? Like, we preach Christ and Christ crucified. So you shouldn't have factions uh, within the church. You should be about Jesus. And he goes on in Corinthians chapter 1 uh, as the Corinthians are just living recklessly sexually. And he reminds them that their bodies belong to God who died for them. Therefore, they ought to honor them. And he ends off in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians with the resurrection. And he says, if the resurrection is true, then it matters how you live your lives. And then we get to 2 Corinthians. There's still more fighting, more quarreling. Paul, you're not an impressive guy. I mean, look at your life. You're struggling and suffering. How do you want us to listen to you? The Corinthians lived in a culture where public speaking and oratory was at its best. They were a blessed church in many ways. And as they looked at the life of Paul, they thought to themselves, surely we can't follow this guy. And then there were other super apostles who were going around with impressive speech, uh, and they followed those guys rather. They looked at Paul and said to themselves, this guy, he rides quite heavy, but when you meet in, him in person, he's such a wimp. We can't follow this guy. And so for the first uh, seven chapters of 2 Corinthians, he reminds them once again of the gospel message that your very same Lord who you worship, Jesus Christ, was weak. He died on a Roman cross. And if that's the reality, how much more his servants, that you ought to be looking at leaders and following leaders who follow the example of Jesus. And then we get to chapter 8, um, as Paul reminds us Christians who were withholding their money. Uh, Paul went around uh, collecting money for the Jerusalem church, and these guys, because of their disagreement with Paul, withheld their money and felt entitled to their money. And so he reminds them of the gospel. He reminds them of a generous God who gave everything so that they can give everything, who emptied his pockets so that they would empty their pockets. And not only does he do that, have a look at chapter 8, verses 1 to 8. He uses the examples of Christians who have come to understand this. Uh, the church in Macedonia, a church that didn't have all the privileges that the Corinthian church had, the church that wasn't so wealthy as the Corinthians were, but gave of their everything because they understood that their God emptied his pockets uh, so as to empower them to empty their pockets. Have a look at um, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 with me. This is Paul giving the example of the 
Macedonian church. We want you to know, brothers, that is the Corinthian brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. Here's a challenge. If you find how many times the word grace appears and shouted in all those nine verses, Eddie will give you choice assorted biscuits. Um, the word grace comes up a lot in this section, and the word grace can also be translated as charity or generous grace. Uh, so Paul is not playing on this idea, but he's using this idea of the generosity of God, the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. These guys understood um, the generosity of God. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Uh, so they, were, they tasted uh, the generosity of God, and that overflowed uh, in, uh, um, in joy and out of their extreme poverty. So these are guys who had nothing. Picture a cup that has caught uh, water, and Paul is saying it's overflowing uh, to others. Because of their joy, they overflowed in giving uh, to the saints in Jerusalem. Verse 3, for they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord. So nobody forced them to give uh, that much. Nobody forced them uh, to give uh, to, to those saints, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to the will of God uh, to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that he, as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. Verse 7, he turns to the Corinthians and says, but just as you excel in everything, so the Corinthians were a church that did well in so many areas, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. Middle class church, Corinth, you have so many gifts, you have so many talents, but see this uh, church that has nothing, um, see their example, and likewise be moved with generosity um, towards others. Be moved um, to give. Be moved to give not out of compulsion, but out of a generous, generous heart. Now, there's a guy, he was at the 8 o'clock service. I hope he's not here. Um, he's one of our groundsmen, and I still remember, I think two years ago, one of our guys who used to be on staff here was getting married, and obviously we planned the wedding. It's far away, so we save up, and we go there. Um, this guy couldn't go, um, but he, he bought the guy's shoes, and... I mean, I asked how much the shoes were. Um, not that I know what our ground staff makes, but I'm pretty sure it's not a lot. I'm pretty sure that uh, the, the shoes that he bought were over 20% of uh, his salary. Uh, I'm pretty sure that he has concerns back home. Uh, I'm pretty sure that he has financial needs, and those are pressing in on him. I'm pretty sure his life is pressured, and he doesn't have much. But I was just moved by his generosity. I just reflected on my own life as a middle-class Christian, looking at all my theology books, um, 
Very, very, very impressive. Um, as a theologian, you read the Bible in so many different languages, in Greek and in Hebrew, but no language would ever prepare me to do the simple things that Jesus asks of me. Very often, as middle-class Christians, we're fascinated by concepts like uh, the eternal existence of the Father um, and the Son uh, and those Trinitarian doctrines, but we often miss the basics of the Christian faith. Uh, we often spend time debating, well, what does it mean uh, that um, God emptied himself? Uh, what does it mean that Christ has two natures, uh, divine and human? By the way, he does, he's both divine and human but we often spend our time there discussing those things in our theological uh, towers and miss the very basics of the Christian faith. And I was moved by that man uh, who gave from nothing, who was moved uh, through generosity um, to give uh, to others. And I think that should encourage us. And I think that's what Paul is doing, not guilt-tripping us, not guilt-tripping the Corinthians, uh, but reminding them that if they've tasted the generosity of God, uh, then they would live generous, generous lives. As I reflected on uh, the example of this man, I was reflecting on my life, and I'm like, what is the barrier between me and living a generous life? I mean, obviously, I give, but am I generous? Generosity is a lifestyle. What is the thing that often stands between me and what God calls me to. Then I reflected back on poverty. Uh, as someone posted on Facebook, what nasty habits has poverty taught you? And I, I thought about it. I think one of the nasty habits that poverty taught me is to hoard. Okay, so you know what it's like to not have. So what are you going to do when you have? I need to hold on to this. I need to hold on to the stuff I have because maybe someday... I'll be in lack again. I need to hold on to my T-shirt, even though I've gained a lot of weight during lockdown, because maybe one day I'll need it. I'll lose the weight, and I'll need that T-shirt. I'm not ready to part with it. You step into Food Lovers Market, and they have all those wonderful specials, 10 kgs, 7 kgs of carrots. I know very well that I'm not going to use 7 kgs of carrots. But what do I do? It's a special. I love specials. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the stuff. Um, I'm going to um, collect and hoard. And very often, because of that mindset, it's hard to live with open hands. It's hard to live um, and with an attitude of generosity. Yet God is calling us this morning to remember the Lord Jesus Christ, to remember that in him we see his generosity. And because of that, out of joy, we should overflow in generosity towards others. Remember. Remember. This is what Paul Tripp says about when we forget. He says, when you forget God's generosity, you proudly tell yourself that what you have is what you've achieved. When you forget his generosity, you take credit for what only his blessings could produce. When you forget his generosity, you name yourself as righteous and deserving, and you live an entitled and demanding life. When you forget God's generosity and think you are deserving, you find it very easy to withhold generosity from others. Proudly you think 
that you are getting what you deserve, and they are too. Your proud heart is not tender, so it's not easily moved by the sorry plight of others. You forget that you are more like than unlike your needy brother and sister. So as we remember the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, he's coming here on earth. We should be moved to not forget, to not forget his um, generosity. And so, with all that said, I, I want to leave us with, uh, for this December, just three challenges as we think about living generous. I want to say also that I think this church is generous. I think that the people who sit in these pews are generous. This would not exist without your generosity. But not only that, I think there's many times during the week where a car parks outside there with non-perishable items, dropping it off for the poor here at the church. And so can I encourage you to continue doing that, to continue taking care of the poor? I still remember about few weeks back, before I went on sabbatical, we went out uh, with 250 rand vouchers, uh, and we gave, I think somebody, I don't know who you are, but you gave money towards that, uh, to give those ladies who stand by the robots looking for, 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 uh, for any job. And for them, for, for those uh, ladies, some of them might have not uh, found a job that day, uh, and that 250 rand as small as it was, was an ultimate gift and a blessing to them. So we are generous. Let us continue to do that. Let us continue uh, to be and live generous lives because I don't think you ever arrive uh, at saying, well, I'm, I'm a generous person. Um, we are, are overflowing joy um, towards others. So here are three challenges for us this December period um, to be generous. Now, they're not going to sort out our issues, but it's a great step um, towards seeing those around us who are needy. Number one, share your feast with someone. This December period, many of us will be having brides, uh, Christmas lunches. Can I encourage you to think about those who don't have much? Think about, Jesus said, you must have at your house people who would never return the favor. People who never pay you back. Many of us live with those people among us. If you live in a complex, an estate, or a gated to your community, that's 80% of us here. Uh, we have guys who take care of us, who watch and guard over us. Think about them as you do your groceries to get an extra piece of rib eye steak for them. Do it medium rare. Anything beyond that is just death. <laughs> You're just messing up good steak. And go and give it to them. Maybe they might not like uh, medium rare. But you ask them, how do you like your steak done? Uh, and just give them. And here's the thing. Don't be condescending. Treat them like your friends. If you have a friend, you'd invite them to your lunch. And you say, Jax, this is, I'd love for you to taste this amazing piece of steak. Because very often what we do is we think about them last and we give them our leftovers. Don't give them your leftovers. Prepare a plate for them and say, I've thought of you. Uh, I'm, I'm filled with joy and I want you to experience the same joy as I have. So share your feast with someone this December. You're going to have a feast anyway. 
uh, shared with someone. Uh, Some of us love going to restaurants. The second challenge is give your best tip. Give your best tip this December. God wants you to enjoy that sushi. I think it's overpriced, but it's very nice. Uh, He wants you to enjoy ribeye steak. He's blessed you to enjoy him, but he's also blessed you to be a blessing to others. Very often as Christians, we just like weird about stuff. Um, weird about if you're wearing new clothes and they're like, yeah, that's very nice. You don't say thank you. You're like, no, no, hey, someone else bought it for me. And so we're very protective about having stuff. It's okay to have stuff, but God blessed us not only to enjoy um, ourselves, but to help others enjoy him. Uh, so tip generously this December. I don't know about you, but normally you get there to the restaurant, get your meal. They get you with the drinks, right? Um, and then you get your bill. You're like, did I order <laughs> like, all these things? And then you begrudgingly give your 10%. Ah, like I have to, you have to tip. But this December, let us adopt a different attitude. Let us give generously. And maybe if you're pressed, you're just wanting the kids to go enjoy a meal at a restaurant. Maybe order one uh, less drink, two less drinks. Uh, maybe teach your kids also uh, to be generous. We're going to not have dessert so that we can give 200 rand more to the waiter. Thirdly and lastly, the last challenge, many of us are employers. We employ on different levels. Um, whether it's the person who helps us clean the house to the accountant at your company, let us be generous. Maybe you're not pressured and facing financial difficulties. Maybe your business is doing well. You sell masks and the business is booming for you right now. Uh, you, You made profits. So don't take more stuff. Bless your employer, employees, with more. Give generously just as God gave generously towards you. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you so much for this, the gift of your gospel um, that you came into our world and we remember this at Christmas time. You don't have to do that. You are not under any compulsion. Uh, You Um, did that out of your generous heart, out of your infinite resources. And so thank you so much that through the gospel you've saved us and we've earned a place before you. We don't have to perform. uh, We don't have to buy our way uh, towards you because you are generous. And so I pray that you would lead us to lives of generosity. I pray that you would make us people who empty our pockets for the sake of others because you emptied your pockets uh, for our sakes. Father, we know that we live in a country that is stricken with poverty and thank you so much for your church that it makes a huge difference in bringing up love boxes to needy kids at uh, Nokopila, in buying food for the needy, uh, in being generous towards 
those who work for us. And so I pray that you'd encourage the Christians that this would not be a message that beats them down, but encourages them to continue in their generosity, to be empowered to do more because of what you've done for us. I pray, Father, that as we think about all that you have done for us, uh, that you'd move us uh, to be people who are different. Pray for someone who's not a Christian this morning, that they would be moved by this vision of a generous God, uh, that they would long for a world filled with people with generous hearts, that our country would change, uh, and that the kingdom of God would be established right here on earth. So I do pray, even as we come to a time of communion, that you'd remind us of your generosity and that we would overflow with joy and thanksgiving as we step out of those doors. Empower us, we pray, through your Holy Spirit. Amen.